Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. How was that for Dave Sports? Man, there was a lot going on yesterday. Started with high school football, state semifinals, Class 5A. Springville winning on a touchdown pass as time runs out. Number one ranked 5A team in the state, beating the defending champs from Orem, Orem, who've actually won four titles in a row. A couple in 4A, then a couple in 5A. And now they get beaten in the semis on a last-second touchdown pass. So now Springville will go on and play Lehigh. And then we got to the NFL football. The Dolphins beat the Ravens. What? How does that happen? How does that happen? How does a Raven defense go into the fourth quarter with three points? Excuse me, the Raven offense go into the fourth quarter with three points. Defense was doing his job. It was Miami 6-3 going into the, into the fourth. So Miami gets the win. They beat the Ravens. Miami's got four straight lousy teams coming up. I figure they'll mess up some of these games. But if they don't, they'll, they'll be back around 500. Look out. And the Ravens, man, it's now the everybody's got three or four losses in the AFC, except the Titans, who have two. And once you get past that, it's the Titans on two, and then you got ten teams and a big, just all clumped up, just a big old, just a separated by a half game, just all piled on top of each other. Who's good? Who will be good in January? I guess is who will be good enough in December to get to January, and then who will be good enough in January to advance? Good luck sorting all of this out. Maybe you like the Raiders, maybe you like the Chargers, but here come the Broncos, and the Chiefs look left for dead early, but they're back. The Raiders-Chiefs game Sunday night, that's a big game. Big game. Steelers were also left to dead. Now they look like they're back. Cleveland and Cincinnati... Baltimore backing up to the pack? I don't know what to make of this. I mean, Tennessee looks good. Buffalo just lost to Miami. I wanted to take Buffalo very seriously, but now now you can't. All right, uh, and then it was the Jazz game also. Man, we will get to the best of the Jazz postgame showing up. They just weren't good enough. And I know it wasn't refereed. Well, it was physical. The refs let it get away. Then they had the brouhaha. It wasn't a fight because there were no punches. Just a bunch of guys pushing and shoving. and Four guys ejected. Jazz guys losing it. Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell making contact with referees, which you know you can't do. That's an automatic. You make contact with a referee. Boom, you're gone. And Rudy knew he was gone when he uh, when he tried to, I don't know what that was, bear hug Turner? What, what was, I don't know. But I think all of that, while it's fun, that's the sizzle. The stake, the real deal here is the Jazz just looked really lethargic for most of that game. No pep in the step, no extra hustle, getting out-rebounded. Getting dominated on the backboards. Offensive rebounds were 12-2 in the first half. That's unacceptable. You can't win playing like that. You certainly can't win consistently. Maybe once in a while you get away with it, the same way football teams occasionally get away with you know losing a turnover battle three nothing. Occasionally, maybe you shoot a three the three pointer really well, although the Jazz didn't. Uh, but when you get out rebounded, you start getting out rebounded by double digits, you're going to lose. To get out rebounded by ten offensive rebounds in the first half, come on, man. T.J. McConnell was out, almost out-rebounding the entire Jazz team. And they made him into an all-star. 21 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. He had a huge game. I mean, he's a veteran. He's been in the league. He's carving out a good career. Good for him. But he's a best guy on a team with a losing record. And, you know, they got a good coach, and they'll probably get better over the course of the season, but they're not good now. They're 4-8. And, and they're playing back-to-back. 
And from the start, they're playing harder than you. And they just keep playing harder than you. That's that's not good. It's just one game out of 82. I get that, but not a good performance by the Jazz. And now they have to wait and see if anyone's suspended and who's available for Miami on Saturday. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. Our college football insider, Riley Jensen, is coming up next. And then the best of the Jazz postgame show. Stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Utah State returns to Mountain West Conference play with a big trip to the Bay Area for a showdown against the Spartans of San Jose State. Catch all the play-by-play action this Saturday, beginning with the Aggie pregame show on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Riley Jensen is going to join us in a couple minutes here. Talk a little college football. Get us ready for the big weekend. We do have the question of the day coming up. Farmington Night basketball star Colin Chandler picks BYU. How does Mark Pope keep doing it? The responses, PK, are classic. I've got epic. something that I need to say desperately. You when we need get there. to say it. You got to get this off your chest. Mm-hmm. I actually All wrote right. about it. It should be posted later today. We're going to do that in the very next segment. Stay Sweet tuned for that. Goody. Right now, <laughs> Riley joins us. On the Smart Rain guest line, Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Riley, good morning. What's up, you sorry dudes? Hey, I got to tell you, you just said Riley joins us. So am I? Am I, am I like a one name guy now? Like that's 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 where we're going with this because that that felt pretty good. It wasn't Riley Jensen on the the Smart Rain line. It was just Riley. Like, well, I had just said that. your name while you were on hold or talking to Yak. Oh, okay, okay. Yak. So yeah, it's yeah. kind of a second reference. So no, you're not. Oh, you're not Cher, you're not Maradona, you're not, I don't know, whoever else. Right. Of course he goes to soccer. I, I, was, I was getting pretty cocky. I was getting pretty cocky. Should the Utes be getting that cocky with Arizona coming up and a lead yeah. and a tiebreaker? Yes, I would love, I would love to see the Utes get a little cocky this week. No, <laughs> I think... I think they should have a healthy dose of confidence this week. I mean, the way that they played against Stanford... The way that their offensive line has started to play, with the with with the way that their quarterback seems to improve every week in different aspects of his game, I, I think you should feel really confident if you're the University of Utah right now going to Arizona. And I know Arizona's a team that finally kind of broke through there for a minute. They're probably feeling pretty confident and excited, but. The, the youth world, in my opinion, right now, as far as this game goes, and if they just play. If they just play 65% this week, I think they win. How about BYU? Should they feel confident this week? I think they should. I think <laughs> you, you should feel confident every week that you can get healed up a little bit. <laughs> I, listen, there's a, couple, there's a couple weeks here where, I mean, really, BYU has, what, three bye weeks here for a minute? They got, or no, two, two more weeks of bye. Um, Georgia Southern's not going to give them much to worry about. They get to heal up this week. Hopefully they'll get their starters off the field the week after that. And then 
you kind of try and make a statement game against USC, even though USC is not what what we remember USC as being. The sticker on the helmet is impressive, but it's it's not as impressive as a win as maybe it would have been a while ago. All right, though. So obviously we're just joking there. I had somebody that I really respect <clears throat> their knowledge, which is way more advanced than mine. Tell me, this person believes Jaron Hall is yes an NFL quarterback. What is your opinion of that? I, I certainly think that his trajectory is that way. Now, look, I also thought I also thought that Zach Wilson was an NFL quarterback. I'm not sure that I knew that he was going to be the number two pick, right? Like his his ability to develop and grow into that position was really, really impressive, especially in that last year at BYU. And I think in some ways you could make an argument that Jaron Hall's trajectory is a little bit better right now than at this point in his career of starts than what Zach Wilson's was. Um, I, I'm not positive. I'm not positive that his ceiling is higher than Zach Wilson's, but there's no question in my mind that he's an NFL-type quarterback. There's, there's no question. He has the arm. The other thing that he has is he has the athletic ability to, to keep plays alive. And, and in the NFL, they love you to stay in the pocket, and they all talk about how when guys run too much, it messes everything up. And then in the underbelly of the NFL, there's all kinds of offensive coordinators that are just so glad when somebody bells them out of a bad play <laughs> that, they, that they love a guy that can run like Jaron can. And the, the discipline that I like about Jaron – and the thing that I love about Jaron Hall is my criticism of him when he was in high school was that he would turn he would turn football games into what I call backyard football games. So he would he would run around back there, he would change all the rules because he was the best athlete on the field and then he could just throw it to wherever because it was like playing in the backyard. It wasn't you know, one, two, three, stick your foot in the ground and throw a slant on third and four to get you a first down. Or it wasn't this disciplined football that the quarterback position demands uh, on the next levels, right? And I think it's a credit to Aaron Roderick again. And I know that I've been, like, over the top in my credit for him. But, I mean, we're now talking about the second quarterback in a row where I'm seeing major growth in the progression of of talented quarterbacks who were talented when they came in but needed certain amounts of discipline to, to get better, and I'm seeing it with Jaron Hall. I mean, as athletic as he is, he stays in the pocket. He makes the right reads. He's cool, calm, and collected. I mean, really, he's got everything that you want out of, a, out of an NFL quarterback. How high or how low that goes, I think, depends on how much longer he stays. I, I think it would be a little bit foolish to leave – after this year, but I think he probably could. And then I think if he has another, if he has, a, if he puts together another year next year like he has this year, I, I don't think there's any doubt that that he goes into the NFL really, really confident and and willing and ready to compete for a spot. You say he shouldn't go, but if you've got a history of injury and uh, it's a violent sport, when in doubt, should players go? Yes, but I but I think if he were to go this year, you're talking about sixth round, seventh round, free agent type thing. Where I think if he put another year together like that, you're talking about fourth round, third round, second round type guy. Um, right. In, in my opinion. So at that point, then, so, if Hall is an NFL quarterback, Wilson was a NFL quarterback. Hill, 
hasn't been a starter big time, but at least he's played the NFL. You got three of the last four guys going in the NFL. How much he sends that a message to recruits, particularly as you're going in the Big 12? Come here, man. Play for a couple years. We'll make you some money. Well, I, look, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt that when I was growing up, quarterback, you know, quarterback U was BYU, right? And now you start stringing together three out of the last four. You start watching it on national TV. Taysom Hill comes in and, and, and runs some sort of a spread option type of thing. And they're like, and Taysom Hill out of BYU. And, and then they say, and Zach Wilson out of BYU. And then you get Jaron Hall in there. And they're like, Jaron Hall out of BYU. Yeah, it, it starts to change the momentum. And I think it's important, just the point that you brought up, one of the things that's going to help BYU to really become like QBU again is the fact that they're in the Big 12. I, I know for a fact that there's a certain recruit that that, that that had a big deal to do with where he decided to go. And he's now committed to BYU, and he's, he's all in. But if there was any question mark, it was about that scheduling. It was about that conference. And I think... I think you're seeing a whole slew of guys that are that are in the portal that are transferring back and going, God, BYU's not a bad place to play because I'm in the Big 12. You know, if you look through the history of the Big 12 and all the guys that go to the NFL because they compete at the Big 12 level, all the guys, you know, in the Pac-12, it's giving guys that are local some really, really good options. And if they get on the field and play for BYU or Utah and they play well, they have a chance to go to the NFL. And it's just the way it is, right? Like, the majority of NFL players go to P5 conferences. And, yes, there's pro players from Utah State that are in a G5 conference, and they've done a really, really nice job. But the percentages are better if you're in a Big 12 conference, you're in a Pac-12 conference, you're in the SEC, you're in the ACC. I mean, when I coached at North Carolina State, there was guys that went and got drafted in the NFL who I didn't think were as good as guys that played with me at Utah State or that I played against in the Mountain West Conference. But when when NFL guys are looking at the film and they're seeing their competition, their, their judgment of what they can do on the next level is that he can do it. If he can succeed on this level, he can succeed on the next level. So it's interesting, when the youth went to the Pac-12, we saw a lot of Pac-12 schools adjusting, come in here and start recruiting and taking players. Now, with BYU going to the Big 12, do you think we're going to see the Big 12 adjust and start coming into Utah and taking players? Or do you think this? Uh, we've seen a few guys transfer back in here. Do you think the coaches will, local coaches will get the upper hand here saying, well, look at these guys who are leaving or transferring and transferring back. Why don't you just stay in the first place? Well, I think I... I... I, I think the answer is yes to both of those questions. You, you are going, there's no question we're going to see Big 12 schools come in because BYU isn't going to be a bottom dweller. They, they, it's going to take them a minute to be up near the top or, or in a Utah equivalent situation in the Big 12. But they're going to see some toughness. They're going to see some players. That, and they're going to go, dude, where is that guy from? And they're going to see he's from Provo, Utah. And they're like, dude, why – why aren't we recruiting Utah? You know, and there's going to be guys that come in, but I think this all bodes well for you know this influx of guys that are transferring back to BYU, they're transferring back to Utah, and guys are transferring into Utah State. I think it bodes well for local coaches as well. Like, yeah, come on in, guys, but we've we've got a track record that says when our guys leave and go to your big schools, they all want to come back, and they're going to want to come back 
it's going to be a little bit easier to come back if it's a Big 12 or a Pac-12 team, right? It's just a little bit easier because, yeah, you're you're changing from, like, maybe the school of your dreams, and then you got there and it wasn't everything that you thought it was going to be. And then when you shift down, you're still shifting to a really good place. So I, I think the answer is yes. I think local coaches will have a little bit of a story to tell that's going to help local players to pause before they go to LSU, before they go to, you know, wherever they're getting recruited. And and I think also there's going to be more Big 12 teams that come in here when they see the toughness. Because, look, Utah's always been a place where you can get, you know, milk and potatoes. Like, they've always thought, like, man, we can go there, we can get linemen, we can get fullbacks, we can get tight ends, we can get linebackers, right? They haven't necessarily come here for speed, but there's also guys all over the place right now even changing that narrative with Simi Fajoko, you know, out of Brighton High School going to the NFL and Stanford. And then you got guys like Cody Hagan that are getting recruited by everybody in the country. They're starting to realize that even the skill positions here are, are really good. And I think Zach Wilson and Jackson Dart have done local quarterbacks here a real favor by playing well on, on the next level and then going to the NFL. And, you know, Jackson, I think Jackson will have his shots to go to the NFL, but the better these guys that are in skill positions play, the better opportunities they're going to have that 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 young players here in the state are going to have to play at, at big schools, in, in big-time situations, at the local schools as great players, and then really a chance to play in the NFL. I heard one line of thinking that uh, the free transfer actually might hurt some of the you know, pretty good programs, and it might aid the top-level programs because the thought of, uh, well, let's see if I can go make it there. You know, the old New York, New York, if I can make it there, I can make it anywhere. So I'll go to these high-powered places, and if I make it there, well, gosh, then I'm on my way. If I don't, well, then I can transfer and not miss a beat. I can come back. And so maybe it doesn't help to get these kids, now that BYU is uh, rising up their profile, that will still be as hard if not harder because of this free transfer rule that they go to fill in the blank superpower and if it doesn't work well then I can come back well I think what it opens up the door to is is like okay so Cameron Latu goes to Alabama right and he's playing really well for them right now he's playing tight end he's an example of if I can make it here I can make it anywhere right yeah but but if he doesn't and he wants to come home in two years. You think BYU doesn't want an, an athletic well, tight sure. end yeah, like Cameron yeah. Latu? Right. Years. So I think it, I think it benefits BYU, and I think Utah State's shown that it can benefit a small school. I think I think what this is going to be is it's just the ability of coaches to understand what the transfer portal is, the ability of coaches to hustle and to have still had relationships with those guys. Now I'll tell you an example, and I can't remember the exact player. But there was a player that I was at the All-Poly camp, and he was at USC, and he'd come back to the All-Poly camp and was saying hi. And Matt Wells called him over, and he's like, hey, hey, what's going on? And the kid came over, and he lit up like a Christmas tree. You know what I mean? And the, the kid was talking to Matt Wells. You could tell that they had a great relationship and blah, blah, blah. And um, the kid, the kid leaves, and Matt Wells turns to me and he goes, "You never know, right? You never know." You know what I mean? And I and I think that's what you're going to see a lot of, right? Like you're going to see that these guys are continuing to recruit. Now, 
you could say is Matt Wells' influence. He didn't say anything inappropriate other than he was just really enjoying a kid that he recruited and and he was being nice. You could you could say whatever you want, but that's going to happen all over the place now because you never know. You never know that a guy that you lose to another team isn't going to be unhappy in two years, and he's going to remember how well you treated him in the recruiting process, and he's going to want to come back to you. And so I think I actually think that this whole but this whole thing puts even more pressure on on college coaches to always be recruiting. Like, they can never stop recruiting. Never, never stop recruiting. Yeah, I mean, that's what I did early on with DJ, like 25 years ago. I was really nice to him because I thought he could be a nice assistant to me to work on the radio. And I thought, okay, I'll be nice well, to him think, then. And it I worked. Think what's really, I think what's really astute about you and just really forward-thinking and progressive about you is that you understood that your individual accolades were going to happen by having a great team around you, right? And so you understood that from an early time. And, you know, it's very clear. It's very clear that you recruited DJ. I mean, yeah. I mean, even DJ is, you know, in a quiet moment, has just told me how grateful he is to you for all the, you know, all those things that you've done. He's an excellent to, role to, player. To bring him into the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a high-level role DJ, player. DJ, I didn't mean to talk about you like you weren't there, but um, you know, I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> so BYU has a buy. The Utes have a, a twenty-four. They're twenty-four point favorites over Arizona. So if there's any drama this week, it's your Aggies playing five and five San Jose State. Can they beat the Spartans? It looks like the biggest hurdle on the way to winning the division and going to the conference title game. I suppose they could slip up on one of the other two, but on paper, this one looks harder. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, this this Utah State team is is not a team that's, like, easier on your heart. I mean, you go to UNLV, you get way down, you come back, and you have a, a pretty big win against a team that's a, a bottom dweller in the Mountain West Conference. I mean, certainly anything is possible. One of the things that I've been noticing about Utah State right now is the timeliness of the defensive plays. And then I'm seeing, and, 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 I, and I, if, if I can just talk about this for a second, Logan Bonner is becoming more confident, and I think it's a direct, it's a direct impact of the play of Tompkins at wide receiver. And here, here's what I mean. And Tompkins is like 29 receptions and 219 yards away from breaking Kevin Curtis's record for single season. I mean, there's like four games left for him. I, I, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to believe that he doesn't break both of those records. But when you play with a great player, and I played with Kevin Curtis at Snow College. I didn't play with him at Utah State, even though we both played at Utah State. Um, Devin Tompkins has this huge catching radius. And so when you throw the ball up to Devin Tompkins, it's, it's interesting because in the beginning you're throwing it up to him and he's making all these amazing catches for you. And then what happens is a quarterback is it takes all the pressure off of throwing to him. And so all of a sudden, because there's no pressure to put it in uh, on a dime to him, you start throwing dimes and he doesn't have to make those great catches for you because you know that he can make these other catches. And I'm just seeing a real, like just a real energy. It, it is really tough to stop him offensively. Um, he's, I mean, he has like five or six games this year, over 170 yards. He's electric. When, and, and, and look, if you're a BYU fan and a, U, and a Utah fan, you haven't had a chance to watch a game, Like you should just tune in for a couple minutes this Saturday night to watch him because he's really electric. He's really fun to watch. The Utah State's offense is as fun as I've seen it since they started going back to bowl games year after year after year under Gary Anderson the first time. 
this offense is really fun to watch. It's a team that's really fun to watch. Um, you know, Rice on the defense, he, he seems to make timely plays. The defense makes timely plays. And it's just a, it's a really fun story. It's a really fun team to watch right now. And I'm, I'm certainly hoping, I mean, I know we argued before, you know, that our expectations shouldn't be eight. That this is all gravy that we're in a bowl game. But, you know, I'm, I'm starting to fall into like what you were saying to me before, PK, where like, yeah, I have high expectations. I want 10 wins. I want 10 wins. And then if we lose in the championship game, that's great. And then we go to a bowl game, we get 11 wins. I mean, how awesome would that be? That, that's, that's what I want. Uh, now I'll be disappointed if that doesn't happen. I will be disappointed. Okay. We can live with that. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. Well, most of it, except for the part where you talked like I wasn't there. But other than that, we appreciate it. <laughs> but, but we all know the truth, right, DJ? We know the truth. The truth is out there, and the truth shall set you free. And I need one more cliche about truth because yeah, threes is uh, is a literary thing. You gotta, the rule of three. Riley, we'll talk to you again next week. Enjoy the games. Thanks for having me on. There's our college football insider, Riley Jensen. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show, what went wrong and what was that? That scuffle, fight, brouhaha, kerfuffle, whatever the heck that thing was with four minutes left. What was that all about? We'll get to that coming up. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's a trip to Tucson, Arizona for the Utes as they enter the home stretch of their Pac-12 schedule with a showdown against the Arizona Wildcats. Catch the Ute pregame show this Saturday with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz lose to the Indiana Pacers. That shouldn't happen. The Jazz should be the better team. The Pacers were going back-to-back, but the Jazz never looked like they had it. Gave up way too many points in the first quarter, way too many in the first half, too many offensive rebounds. It just it was not nearly good enough. 60 points they allowed at halftime, and sure enough, they get beat. Let's get to the best of the postgame show. It's time for your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz lost last night to the Indiana Pacers, 111-100. to Jake Scott, of course, with you. Uh, big story of the night, ejections. Uh, Rudy Gobert and Miles Turner got uh, tied up in the fourth quarter. Those two got ejected. Joe Ingles came out of nowhere, made contact with referee Ed Malloy. He was ejected. Donovan Mitchell continued to be fired up. Uh, there appeared to be some contact between Donovan and an official as well, although in the pool report at the end of the game, they said uh, the, they did not indicate that that happened, so uh, said that Donovan got ejected for escalating things, but nonetheless, Donovan Mitchell ejected as well, but uh, that was basically after the game was over. Jazz struggled. The Pacers were certainly the more physical team. Jazz were led by Donovan Mitchell's 26 points. Rudy was with 19-11 and 11 for the Pacers. Malcolm Brogdon had 30. T.J. McConnell with 21 coming in, 21 coming in off the bench. Let's get to some post game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. I guess before the uh, scrimmage that happened on the court, what do you, what were the problems that you saw leading to you guys being down and actually having to try to find out? But well, I, th- I think defensively there was just you know there was breakdowns in a lot of different areas. Um, it's hard to identify any one thing. 
Um, you know, at halftime, their points in transition and their offensive rebounds, just possessions. Um, and I thought at times, particularly when we turn the ball over, you know, it's it's really difficult for us to defend um, against turnovers or miss shots at the rim. So I, I thought, you know, those things in combination defensively and um, that was the primary thing, you know, and I thought that continued where they, you know, they were able to get in the paint against us, put pressure on the rim. That wasn't just our guards. That was breakdowns in a lot of different, different areas. What did you uh, see from that altercation? I couldn't see um, what initially transpired, um, you know, with Rudy and Miles Turner. Um, you know, obviously, any any time that your teammate gets um, tangled up like that, and you see people on the floor, you're going to react, and you know you're going to react emotionally, and um, you know have your teammates back. You know, so it goes it goes from there. I think that's not you know not atypical of of many situations when you, you recognize that from there, there was obviously a lot of emotion, and, um, you know, it escalated. I mean, we weren't playing well. I, I don't, I don't think that, you know, we were competing and, you know, had a chance to cut it a few times. And, um, I don't think it was frustration as much as it was, you know, trying to support a teammate when you see him, you know, on the ground and not, no, I don't, I, I, you know, I'm sure some of the players may have seen what happened, but I, I couldn't see why they went down. You know, I know Joe ran down. Um, you know, I think he, you know, he saw it bumped into Ed Malloy. Um, and I thought Ed handled that. Like he, like that's, you know, that's a pro ref. You know, they just tried to break it up. You know, that could have been a uh, wasn't. I think that's why Joe got kicked out. Is what I'm saying. And I don't. I, I didn't see that as something. Just watching the film, that Joe was trying to, you know, do anything with Ed, and Ed. I think Ed handled it that way as well. But I understand you make contact with the official. That's the result. <clears throat> You did approach them as they're kind of watching replays and then afterwards kind of pointing at the referee. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I was trying to figure out why Donovan, Donovan got ejected. You know, I mean, he, you know, I understand he's emotional, but he didn't, you know, there was nothing that he did other than, you know, he didn't calm down soon enough. Um, so I didn't understand that. Is it just, you know, everything going on today already just with the pregame press conference and just everyone's busy, the, you know, players, they've both talked about Joe and Don that that was emotional for them as well. How tough is it to, you know, come out here and do your job when there's so many other things in society going on that you feel personally? I, I you know, I think everything that, you know, the, the comments and the thoughts and, um, you know, support of, of you know, that guys expressed previous to the game um, were, you know, heartfelt, sincere, and, and certainly um, deeply felt to, to jump to, you know, that playing itself out in, in a game. I, you know, I couldn't say, um, you know, I feel like our guys typically have, you know, compartmentalized certain things once the game starts. And so I, I, 
you know, I can't say specifically that would be something you'd have to you know, ask one. It wouldn't surprise me if there's, you know, emotion. Um, obviously it's, it's a tragic incident, but I, I wouldn't myself link, link that to, you know, the game and our performance and things like that. There's jazz head coach Quinn Snyder talking about the ejections, but also uh, grumpy with uh, the way his team played defense. Let's get on to the players. Uh, let's hear from Donovan Mitchell. Uh, nope. I said, I don't know. You know, I, 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 the, the scruff, whatever you want to call that is what it is. You know, it's really at a point now where the referees are allowing, especially like tonight, like the referees are allowing this to, to get out of hand. Like, you know, we're playing through contact and you know, we're competitors, like both teams, you know, you play through contact, you do whatever, but at some point it's continuing to build. You can sense that, you know what I mean? And it's like, like you got to draw the line early, you know what I mean? Otherwise you're going to get situations like that where we're, you know, we feel like we're in a situation where we could possibly come back and then you eject three, you know, three key guys, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, have this energy in the, in the first quarter, like, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's inconsistent, you know, with the, with the officiating as far as, you know, the contact, like, you know, what's good, what's not good playing through things. And then it's built up frustration for us. And, you know, and it goes both ways, you know what I mean? Like, that's really where I'm at, like mentally, you know, being able to play through contact, you know, I, I work on that all the time, but it's like, you know, at a point where guys can't finish the role or, or guys are getting hit on screens or guys feel like there's contact, you know, it alters shots, it alters different things, there's turnovers. And, you know, I haven't really said much all year about it, but it's like tonight, you know, the tonight it showed, you know, and you, you if you establish the ground early and understand like this is where we're calling things, you know, then we don't get to this point. You know what I mean? That's, 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 what it is for me, you know, like whatever on the the other, you know, I'm getting fouled, guys are getting fouled, and then you start hitting people, and it goes back and forth, and then you get to a point where it's like this, like that shouldn't have happened, you know what I mean? Like that should have been taken care of in the first quarter, you know, draw the line early, you know what I mean? And it's like it's just built up frustration. That's all that is. Ain't nothing else. It's just built up frustration. So, yeah. On the calls, is it frustration like game to game, right. and then also like within one game? Right. You know, and I'm not. I, I will say this. I'm not going to put the fact that we lost the game on that solely. We did a lot of things that we, you know, we could fix. We got. We have a rebound. There's a lot of things that we didn't do correct. So like, I don't want that to distract from things that we have to work on as a group. But I will say there are times where we feel like you know we're not getting calls or certain things. It's 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 from game to game. You know what I mean? But tonight especially, it stands out to me because it's like that could have been taken care of in the first half. You know, and then to have the answer be, oh yeah, you did get fouled. Well. What does that do for me at the halftime? What does that do for me in the third quarter? What does that do for me in possession after I turned it over and they hit a three? You know what I mean? It doesn't do anything for us. You know, it's like, yeah, you were right. Okay. Like, that's an easy way out. And at some point, you know, we're getting held accountable for our actions. Rightfully so. That's cool. But at the same token, they got to as well. You know, and I feel like that's – that for me is just – and for a lot of us, you know, um, this is just where the frustration lies. Um, I know I'm not the only one that feels this way, but, yeah. Are you guys, are you, are you as, as, as players uh, feeling uh, the effects of the sharp contrast from the way the league has been calling games to the way the league is calling games right now? Um, or is there a sharp contrast? Like I said, it varies, but like, you know, you just got to be able to adapt to it, but it's, 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 I wouldn't put that on why we're not shooting well or shooting percent or our assist numbers are down. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it solely on that. Like, you know, we have strong guys, tough guys who continue. Like we play, we, we work out and we work out and <clears throat> put ourselves in situations. So we're ready to play through contact. But 
I'm not going to put all that on the changing of the calls. You know, I, I don't think that's, you know, we've, at the end of the day, what were we eight and four? Like, you know, we, we won games, you know, doing that. So it's not about that for us. I think just the consistency is the one thing I will say, you know, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that just goes uncalled and then it ends up like this, you know, um, that, that could have been avoided. That's my biggest thing. Like that whole thing could have been avoided. You know, if things were, you know, whether it's called on us or called on them, I'm not at, you know what I mean? Like just, just draw the line early for quick game to game, game to game, quarter to quarter. And then you get to a fourth where we're making a push or whatever. And the bigs are battling and then, you know, you get that. So. You were pretty boisterous in defending Rudy there. And, you know, getting held back, whatever else. Mm-hmm. Why was that? Was there something that was said or was there something that, you know, was it just the fight between the two? Or no, I mean, honestly, I didn't even see what really happened. I just, you know, I know Miles, I know Rudy, you know what I mean? Like, why? Like, what? what are we, like, you know what I mean? And like, what are we doing? And I, that's where I got mad at. Like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, I'm always stick up for my teammates. That's that's not going to change, you know, and I just got in a sense because it's like, like I said, a lot of that could have been important. It's just built up frustration, you know, and that's a situation where I just let out, you know, um, I don't, reg- <clears throat> I don't regret doing it. You know, I think it kind of set a tone where it's like, okay, we got, we got hit in the, in, in the face, you know, with, with this game with, before all that happened, they were doing things where I think they had more, as many offensive rebounds as we had uh, defensive rebounds, you know, like we were doing so many things, you know, not the right way. And, and, and we did, we could have done a lot of things that prevented that. But, you know, when I say that, I mean the, the rebounds, um, so for me, it was a lot of, a lot of different things that just built up and, you know, I'm just going to have my teammates back, you know, so that's what it is. It seemed like you maybe had someone kind of specifically you were looking at as the altercation unfolds. No. Is that correct? No. <laughs> Clint talked about the emotions, you know, just in general. For you, I mean, just what's it like to have to go and compartmentalize you know, the game and get ready to play a game when there's so many other social things going on that you spoke about very, <clears throat> very real, very genuine about? Um, I can only speak for myself. You know, when I say this, I don't think it's that difficult for me. You know, I'm able to do, able to do that. You know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm blessed that I have that ability. You know, not everybody has that. Not speaking for my teammates or guys around the league, like not everybody's able to do that. You know, it's just the way we are. So for me, I, I'm, I think it's, you know, tonight you play for Izzy, you know, you have that emotion, you know, for Izzy, this, this, I'm not going to say that's why I, I did that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, like you, you put your heart and soul into that, especially for, uh, for situations like that, I think it makes you go even harder, you know, because at the end of the day, you realize, you know, the impact you have playing this game, you have the impact you have, like I tell you, with the, with the platform I have and we have as a group. So, you know, if anything, it's motivating. It's, 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 it's what we did in the bubble. You know, we did that in the bubble. It's really what kind of, you know, propelled us as a, as a league, not even just myself or as a team, it propelled us as a, as a league to keep on going. Maybe when we stopped, we kept going because of that, because we felt like we can, you know, do things. So even to go out there and play a game, and I don't think it really, you know, affects it's, it's it wears on you when you're off the floor. Cause it's like, man, like this is something that, you know, is is, and I told y'all this morning. It's like it's 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 unbelievable. You know, off the floor, but you know, once I get on the court, you know, it's kind of like that has been my escape in in my life. You know, it's kind of where I've always gone to. So once I get on the court, it's 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 time to to go. Indiana had a lot of success tonight, getting to the rim, grabbing offensive rebounds. Are those? problem areas at this point or are they just things you need to clean up? Yeah, we just didn't play well. Like we've guarded, we've guarded guys <clears throat> really well. And we, all of us as a group, we just didn't guard necessarily well. You know, when we, even when we did, we gave up another rebound, 
and then they would score. You know, so it's hard to play 24, 22 seconds of great defense. They get a rebound and then do it again. And then on top of that, not make shots. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a lot of compounding things, and we just didn't we didn't execute well. And <clears throat> our offense got stagnant a little bit in certain instances that we can fix. But you know, if we like I said. I don't want the the scuffle or whatever to get involved. Like we did a lot of things that we can fix. We we, we put ourselves in a down ten, down twelve position. You know, and we're gonna go look at the film and get ready because Miami's not gonna be any easier. It's gonna be physical. And we gotta be ready for that. Obviously, most of the whole moment, but I didn't notice that you know the fans are cheering. You took a quick peek and looked at the top screen, and you know you were right there, gave a little slight smile. What's it like to have just the support of that fan base? Yeah. Always. Um, I didn't know what happened, why they were smiling. So I kind of looked up to see what they were, yeah. were going at. You know, for me, it's it's always great to have support, you know, in, in situations like that. They went wild when they saw Rudy, you know, rightfully so. He stuck up for himself. We stuck up for him. And, you know, it's great that when the fans have our back and, you know, we're always going to continue to have each other's back. You know, that's why we play so hard, you know, for each other, for this crowd and for this organization. So, um it's easy to go out there and lay it all on the line every day, even when you're dead tired. And that, that energy, the loud, how loud it got was like a playoff atmosphere. So it's just one of those things where it's like, man, even when it's not sold out, it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's passion. There's so many different things behind it. And we, we definitely as players appreciate it. There is Donovan Mitchell uh, talking about how he's going to have his teams back, his teammates back. And he certainly did uh, last night when that uh, scuffle broke out in the fourth quarter. Let's now hear from Royce O'Neal. Like you were pretty upset with the ejections or the referee or something there. Tell, I guess, tell us what it was. I mean, of course. I mean, we had what three people get ejected, and they only had one. I mean, I still don't understand why Donovan got ejected, but and then some of the calls, you know, I feel like this were not going our way. So it happens. Not too much, but I think you know from the jump things got to you know, be settled out before they escalate to get that point. So, After the ejections, uh, it seemed like you were still pretty fired up. Did you feel like things weren't still settled that on the court from whether it's from the officials or from the other players, you could feel like those next couple of possessions were still? I mean, since the tension that was still there, I mean, everybody was frustrated. I mean, so, I mean, for sure. What was your perspective of the scuffle and what, what did you see what happened? Uh, I mean, I, I was at the other end and, and, you know, I ran down there, you know, stuck up for all my teammates. And that's what, you know, we all did at the end of the day. So, I mean, we all got each other's back and that's all that matters. There is Royce O'Neal. Let's wrap up the player sound by hearing from Rudy Gobert. As upset as you were, what made you stop short of actually throwing a punch? <laughs> You know, when you, first of all, like, we know we ain't going to fight. So, like, guys need to stop acting like they're going to fight because they know that in two seconds there's going to be 20 security guards uh, in between us. And they know that, okay, it's cool for the cameras, but they know we aren't going to fight. So, like, guys that are not about, about their life need to stop acting like they are because at some point, like, you know, we, at some point we might have to, like, I might have to stand up for myself if, you know, if also if the officials keep doing the, what they've been doing over this season, you know, like I'm, they allow guys to do way too much. I keep my head cool because I, you know, I have a lot of self-control. Like I do a lot of, <clears throat> it's actually funny because my boxing coach was at the game <laughs> and that's the only time in a year that he came to the game. So he, he just, 
it's funny, but you know, they teach you how to keep your calm. And if I don't feel threatened, I'm not going to, you know, throw a punch and get suspended and hurt my team, you know? So it's, uh, uh, I didn't feel no threat at all. And, uh, you know, and I'm not going to fight on the basketball court. Uh, but if somebody want to fight, I'm easy to reach, you know, uh, I'm really easy to reach. So I'm just not going to do it on social media or like, you know, if anyone got a problem, uh, Instagram, Twitter, WhatsApp, easy. So I do want to ask, you know, obviously <clears throat> amidst when it's kind of all wrapped up and stuff like that, the crowd started going nuts. Then, you know, you kind of looked up and you saw yourself on the big screen. What's it you like to get that kind of reaction from the crowd? Just knowing, you know, <clears throat> they're in the corner with the crowd. I mean, uh, the, the crowd, I mean, crowd love that, you know, the love when, uh, you know, it's something more than just basketball happening. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a good feeling to know that, to feel that, you know, they have my back and, uh, but you know, now, yeah, nothing, like nothing's going to happen. So let's stop acting like you're going to do something. Cause if it's just me and you in the room, you ain't going to do nothing. So yeah, guy, too many guys, you know, it's been every game, like guys try to do it for the cameras and, you know, and 20 years ago, they, they would let you fight a little more. And, uh, now like we, I can't put myself in a position when, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm hurting my team and, uh, especially for some guys that, you know, uh, yeah, like I got more more to lose, you know, so I got to be smarter and I got to stand up for myself, though, but I got to be smarter. Do you have any expectation about whether you might be suspended for any additional I don't think I should. I mean, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I mean, it was a technical foul. I mean, uh, I just grabbed him, made sure that he couldn't do anything else and uh, and waited for the, you know, wait to see what was going to happen. Are you surprised that, that Joe and Donovan also got ejected? <laughs> I was surprised when I heard it, but, but then when I watched the video and I saw what happened, I mean, um, but yeah, we just basketball, man. We just have to play basketball and now uh, guys need to stop acting like they're going to do more than, than play basketball. You know, that's it. And if they do want to do more, like, Let's do it outside the court and uh, without security and, you know, and as men, and then we figure it out. But on the court, like, you know, I mean, we, ain't nobody going to do, let's stop acting like, you know, we about that life when most guys are not. What was, uh, Donovan made the point that he didn't want the skirmish to kind of become, to get all the attention because there were problems with the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think we, our physicality, you know, we, yeah, we let them get way too many offensive rebounds. Um, you know, they were, they were the more aggressive team tonight and, uh, we made, uh, we made some runs, but, uh, you know, we, we couldn't get the stops we needed and, uh, you know, we got to bounce back, you know, Saturday and uh, just keep getting better. You know, it's, it's a long season. Uh, you know, keep trusting one another, keep playing as a team. Uh, I'm going to watch film and see what we can do better. 
There's Rudy Gobert talking a lot about uh, the fricas. Rudy, not hard to find, he says, if uh, players want to get into it off the floor where security isn't. So there's Rudy. Obviously, the scuffle uh, took up a lot of the conversation, but the Jazz did lose to the Pacers 111-100. to Up next for the Jazz, they take on the Heat uh, coming up tomorrow afternoon. That game will tip off at 3 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 2. There's the best of the postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.